This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. While experts are saying that it is too early to determine if South Africa is now entering uh, the fifth wave of COVID-19 um, due to this increase in the number of positive cases, uh, it has the, the, the increase in the number of cases has been noted with some indicators pointing towards a possible resurgence. Uh, the NICD or National Institute for Communicable Diseases say that they do expect to see an increase in cases. On Wednesday, the Institute reported a significantly high number of new COVID infections and COVID-19 related uh, deaths. And in a statement, they said that uh, 4,406 new infections had been um, uh, 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 reported. So let's say, where exactly are we? I mean, the positivity rate was last uh, standing at uh, 14 or 15.8%. So uh, where are we right now? Let's just speak to Professor Adrian Purin, who is uh, Executive Director at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. Thanks for joining us on the Power Breakfast this morning. Good morning and thank you and good morning to your, your listeners. All right, so there, it, it seems it's clear that uh, there is definitely an increase in the number of positive cases. Uh, but why is this uh, uh, not necessarily an indicator of uh, the start of another wave? Well, I, I think it may well be on its way. I think mm. that we're, we're just being cautious, I think, in terms of the numbers. Um, you've probably seen the, some of the variability in terms of the, the case numbers per day. But yet, I think the overall uh, seven-day moving average certainly shows an upward trajectory. In fact, if you look at the um, curves for, I think, Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal, you can just now definitely see an upward um, infection. So I, I'm sure we are on the way towards towards the research on mm. the research on at least, yeah. And what is driving this? I mean, because I see you made the point in a statement that you released last week to say that uh, this could also be as a result of a change in testing patterns. Um, how so? What, what, what would, uh, why would there have been a change in testing patterns? Well, I think, you know, with the um, uplifting of the, the serve disaster, for example, um, people may um, either not go towards testing or there may be a, a, an urge towards testing if they are, let's say, um, events that have occurred with for example, um, the school holidays, the universities closing, great, great congregation, that may, may well have encouraged uh, people to test it. But they, on the other hand, there may well be people who may have symptoms likely um, to be COVID but not go, to, not go to, to be tested. So I think we just need to be cautious about how we interpret these uh, particular trends in, in terms of the numbers. I think the more um, clear evidence that we need to triangulate that we are really um, in the resurgence is to look at our hospital hospitalizations and deaths. I think there's be a more clear indication of, of what's actually happening as well. Right. I mean, even the increase, uh, w- how would you characterize it? Would you call it the increase in the number of hospitalizations? Would it be marginal? And uh, do we know, for example, also what uh, who is getting who is ending up in hospital? Because uh, what we do know is that uh, vaccines are not uh, protecting us from contracting the virus. But uh, um, to what extent are we finding that people who are ending up in hospital all vaccinated, particularly whether it be uh, the, 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 with the booster? and all of that, and the profile, the age profile. Absolutely. So I think those are the important um, indicators that we need to monitor. Um, I think there's still work to be done around um, whether or not there's an association between those who are unvaccinated 
are more likely ending up in our wards versus those that are vaccinated. I think we've got some crude evidence uh, very often, I think at least in the previous wave, um, to show that the unvaccinated were more likely to end up in our wards versus the, the vaccinated. But you're quite right, it's also now critical to look at um, those individuals who are vaccinated, um, what are they vaccinated against, I mean, um, what is the, you know, why are they, the immune response is not as great as we would expect them to be. Our sense is that when we looked at the Omicron um, resurgence, um, that in fact the, the T cell responses will still really be relatively intact. Um, and so that should provide the, the protection that we need to prevent people from ending up in, in our hospitals. So you're quite right. I think we will see cases. Um, the vaccine is not necessarily geared towards uh, protection of um, infection, but certainly against more severe disease and, and death. And where are we? Because I know we plateaued quite a while ago in terms of vaccinations. Uh, um, particularly, I mean, how are we doing in terms of uh, getting people, particularly the more vulnerable groups, uh, to get their booster shots? Yes, so I think there's, there's still um, much work that, that needs to be done from what I can see from the um, SA coronavirus um, data that, that's coming through. Um, that, in fact, we, 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 especially in those vulnerable groups, we still need to urge people to um, be vaccinated in specific age groups, as well as, I think, ensuring that people who are immune deficient, as well as having comorbidities such as uh, respiratory disease, diabetes, hypertension, and that those in, and cancer as well should really be, be vaccinated. So we should certainly encourage people um, to, to vaccinate. And of course, we, we have uplifted the, the state of disaster, but I think we still need to urge people to wear um, their masks, physical distancing, good ventilation, small size groups, these are all still really still key for us um, to minimize um, transmission as best possible. And of course, now we are coming up to uh, the, we, we, we are in a period now of holidays. You know, we've had Absolutely. the Easter holidays. We've got another long weekend uh, coming up here now, that kind of activity that goes with the, you know, you know, merrymaking and so forth. People are getting likely to drop their guards. Absolutely. So, you know, um, I know that people, I mean, I know that the advice is that it's better to be outdoors than indoors. When I see some of the photographs of people indoors, close together, no physical distancing, no mask wearing, I think those are really setting us up for, you know, transmission to occur. I also have my concerns about outdoor events, again, even though it is outdoors, but if your behavior is such that you're going to be in close contact without masks, I think you really need to assist, uh, you know, really uh, assess your, your risk as well about, you know, mask wearing and physical distancing. And you're quite right, we, we're entering not only the holidays, post-holiday season, but also um, the the, the winter season as well. Yes, so yes, yes. Greater congregation, other viruses such as RSV, so the vulnerable groups there, and influenza as well. You know, as you know, older age groups, pregnant women, um, hypertension, cardiac disease. You know, all, these are the similar diseases that have, that are um, can affect people more severely. So again, I would really like to encourage people not only to have their COVID nineteen vaccination, but also the influenza vaccine as well. And just turning, just getting back to the infections, the new cases, the the new infections that we're seeing here, or the positive cases that we're seeing, uh, I see quite a high proportion of them in Gauteng. In fact, more than fifty percent in Gauteng. Yeah, it, it is. I, I think we've seen this <clears throat> geographical um, spread. Um, you know, starting in a particular province and then heading off to the others. You'll notice that Western Cape really has not had an, a nadir <clears throat> compared to Gauteng and Queensland itself. So mm-hmm. that's just ongoing transmission. Whereas I think now 
Gauteng is, um, if you look at the numbers there, is behaving very differently. And KwaZulu-Natal is certainly falling on um, as, as well. All right. Um, so, if in, I mean, at what point do we start talking now that indeed we are in the middle of a fourth wave or a fifth wave? And really, why does it make, does it really make a, um, a difference to say that we are now in a fifth wave? Or do we make much of it? it mm, much? I, think it's, I think we should really dampen down those types of terms such as, as wave. I think we should yeah. just really need to say we're, we're in a period of resurgence in the numbers. Mm. Um, I think the focus certainly could look at the trends and the positivity rate. But my sense is that the, the what, what we should be keeping a watch out on is is our hospitalizations, especially those that are ending up in our high care ICU, oxygen utilization. You know, those are the the, the indicators that we really should be, be focusing on, rather than talking about waves. Um, yeah. I rather just talk about resurgences and focuses and focus um, highly on um, what is happening at our hospitals. Of course, looking at the variance in circulation, Omicron is still. Dominant, it hasn't been displaced. Maybe the sub lineages may may change, but we we don't have a new variant um, at, at this time um, in terms of displacement. And of course, um, our wastewater um, has certainly been helpful to triangulate uh, with regard to telling us that yes, there is a, a resurgence um, currently. Mm-hmm. Um, the okay, and, and just in terms of what we can glean from the, what we've seen in other parts of the world um, that have also experienced, let's say, a resurgence there. Um, anything that we can learn that uh, maybe patterns that will likely, um, you know, be replicated here in South Africa. Yes, yeah, so I think in the United States um, is, has behaved differently. Um, it has had, as you know, huge numbers of cases. Um, but I think there again, it's it's just one of those signals again that you know you can have overwhelming numbers, but also you know your hospital systems can be overwhelmed. The UK as well certainly has has that that in place, and China is very different um, in the sense that it had those severe lockdowns, but mm. you can see the implications of that with a vaccine that's not highly efficacious and not targeting um, your vulnerable groups. I think Hong Kong was very similar um, to that. So again, those are the sorts of Mm. lessons I think we should be learning in the sense of, again, trying to make sure that we've got a good vaccine um, coverage program and focusing on on our vulnerable uh, groups to get people to vaccinate, but also to have their um, boosters as well where, where appropriate. Great. Thank you so much for that, Professor Adrian Purin. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. He is Executive Director at the NICD, the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.